Hi, welcome to A Side Order of Empathy, a snack-sized addition to your work life. I'm your host, Matt. My co-host, Natasha, and I take a few minutes each week to help you be a little more successful and a lot more human in your career. Everyone's plate is full, but we could all use a little more empathy in our lives. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Tasha. You know, I am um, always so impressed by how cleanly and smoothly this app works. This is awesome. Um, for all our, all our listeners, you probably heard us rave already about the Anchor app, but really, if you know, if we're doing this kind of stuff, this is pretty darn simple. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes such a difference to be able to have great tools like this so that it doesn't get in the way of the flow of ideas. And we've been able to figure out how to do this when we're in the same room together. Like today, we're not in the same room together. And you just like pushed a link to me and I answered the phone and like, look at this, we are talking. And like magic, we're already talking, recording, everything's set up. So we're gonna talk today about the role of failure in, you know, like in anything, like in our careers and our lives. What is the role of failure? Oh, I love this conversation because if you can come to be friends with failure, so much is possible, but when you're a victim of failure or you're running or hiding from it, well, it's painful. Oh, gosh, yes. And it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You know? So this gets right to the heart of what we always talk about with, like, empathy, you know? And so having, having a true empathetic stance is not just sympathy for somebody else. Like, oh, wow, that looks like it's – that looks like it, you know, really stinks. Um, but empathy is really like, I, I have walked in your shoes or I've, or I've walked in shoes that are pretty darn similar. <laughs> so I get it. Um, so I think, you know, I, I've had a lot of failures in my career. Um, and certainly a lot of failures, you know, trying to do things outside, you know, of my day job. Um, you know, just like I've tried to start businesses. I've tried to do a lot of things. And some things have worked out okay, and other things have not worked out okay. Um, and so that's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of failure there. So it's interesting. I love the way you, you pose becoming friends with failure. So mm-hmm. tell, you know, tell me more about that. Well, I was reminded about this topic when I was reading something on my feed. You know, we're always just like looking at our phones when we're standing in line somewhere. And yeah. something came through, and I think it was from Austin Cleon, who I like to follow. And he gave uh, probably reference someone else who talked about language usage. And actually, in the 17, 1800s, the way that people would talk about failure, the phrase might be, I made a failure. I made a business failure of that. I had a, I made a financial failure. And it's huh. actually kind of a modern usage for us to talk about as I am a failure or I feel like a failure, right? Interesting. So, so that, that's a really interesting like transmogrification of the word. Hugely. How helpful would it be (laughs) if we could keep our failure at arm's length, but instead we completely identify with it now 
and yes. um, take it up as our identity. When something happens that we label as failure, we say it, it reflects our whole identity. I am a failure or I feel like I failed at that. So um, I am going to try to make a habit for when I use, because language is such a driver for how our thought structures work. I'm oh, going to try yeah. to make it a challenge for me to try to uh, institute that kind of usage and refer to my failures as something that's outside of my body and my identity. And uh, they might be things that, you know, I've, I, I've made or I saw them, I experienced them, but they don't define me. That's a really good point. So, so like, you know, when I think about that, I was thinking about the, line, the famous line from, you know, Fight Club. Tyler Durden says, you know, you're not your job. You are not the contents of your wallet. You are not the car you drive, yeah. you know. And, and while that movie is not exactly about what we're talking about, it's, there's, there's some things in there that are, that are kind of about this, where it's like, you know, mm -hmm. you, you know you're, the things you are defined about by what you do, right? That, is, that does define you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a failure by trying things, right? I mean, how else do you learn but by trying something? I mean, you can read about something, you can, you can do all that stuff, but until you've, until you've tried many skills and many different, you know, things, you know, you're really never going to get, you know, any exposure to it and find out, you know, if you really understood it. I mean, you, know, you talk to kids like learning how to play a sport or something and you say, you just got to swing the bat. Just try, just try, see, <laughs> see what it feels like. Cause you, know, you can watch all day, but you're, you're never going to know if you can play unless you try <laughs> and yeah. nobody who does something, anything really, really well walks out there and does it really well on the first go. Like they had lots of failures. That's right. And so learning the ability to learn and to recast or reframe failure as learning is a really constructive way to be friends with failure. Actually, and I think it's funny. So if you said, if you said something like, um, instead of, let's go back to the 1700s, um, if, uh, if I made a failure or I'm, I made a learning. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, so ways that we can learn and recast our failure as learning, you bring up the example of, you know, learning to play baseball or learning to do anything with deliberate practice. No one's first few times or even first, you know, 10,000 hours, if we're going to believe that Malcolm Gladwell got it right, nobody's <laughs> first 10,000 hours were perfect. You um, didn't do it right the first few times, and it was only in being deliberate and continuously um, refining and sensing and responding that does learning and improvement become possible. Yeah, definitely. Very, very true. I think it's also good that you bring up the part about language. Um, you know, somebody a while back in one of my encounters said, um, words, it's less that words have meaning and more so that meanings have words. Mm. And I I mean, he borrowed that from somewhere else. And honestly, I, I wish I could remember where he got it from. But, um, but it's, it, it rings so true to me. And I've, I've brought it up in a couple contexts now. And it's really clarified that, look, you know, I, we may use words. And sometimes we use words that other people have a different meaning, like associated with that word, a different connotation, um, or even 
you know, like that, a word used in corporate America versus a word used at home could be the same word, but they mean there's different <laughs> things that come along with that meaning. Um, and so when you when you back up from that and say, well, yeah, it's not really that, that you know, the terminology you use has a meaning. It's more around I'm trying to convey a thought and I'm using language to, to convey it, which is a uniquely human thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. So to kind of circle that out of the ether and back out, down into something, the point you were bringing up about being really careful about the way you talk about failure also shapes your thinking of the value of failure and shapes how you associate failure with learning or, or not. That's right. And when you're careful about your words and how you talk about things, you're one step closer to being more mindful about how you talk to yourself. And that's such an important conversation, right? And so you probably have never had a conversation with someone else where you tell them you're a failure. Like you you probably (laughs) have never said that to someone else, right? Unless you're a total jerk. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm pretty sure those folks aren't listening to a side order. Of empathy. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, well, forget that podcast. It has the word empathy in it. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the real takeaway there is how you talk to yourself matters. And if you have this concept that you're literally afraid of failing, if you can change the way that you talk to yourself about failure and recast it as learning, uh, talk to yourself the way that you would talk to other people about their opportunity to learn, that might be one way that you can begin to invite some failure into your life. Uh, yeah, and I think there's, there's, another, there's another aspect there to kind of explore, which is the sense of how do you judge failure, right? How do you know that that didn't work? And there's some, like, you know, the obvious things, right? But aside from the obvious, a lot of what we do is we do by comparison. We say, we say you know, that didn't work because it, it wasn't as good as one of my peers did something, right? Yeah. And so you could say, well, I'm comparing my work, right? And so, I mean, I, I think of, like, you know, when I was in art school, um, I would compare my drawing to the people's drawings in the room and I'd say, well, clearly better than some of those people. And phew, the other person's blowing me away. Not even close. <laughs> right. But what I wasn't getting at the time, and this is a failure of mine that I had to learn my way into was that, um, you know, it wasn't so much that I needed to compare myself to peers. It was more about, comparing myself to my own progress Mm -hmm. and when I shifted that mindset I thought well but look at where I started from look at how much progress I made and then I then you look at some people you say well gosh you know they haven't really gotten any better they've been doing the same thing for years and years and it's as good as it was was three years ago and whether it's great or not there's not an arc of of improvement now I think that there's another interesting thought in there that that you could probably take each one of those things to a pretty far extreme. So it's probably a balance of comparison of your own progress and a little bit of comparison to peers, but Mm -hmm. to be careful to balance those two when you, especially when you're thinking about like learning from things that don't quite work out. Yeah. So I think it can be a very slippery slope when you are comparing your work product with others, because again, if you, define failure as an attribute of yourself 
and you see that your drawing doesn't look as realistic or lifelike or as impressive, um, then you tend to think, oh, well, I'm not as good of a, a, mm -hmm. an artist. I'm not as good of a person as someone else. And when you describe this concept of like instead looking at your progress, that gives you a great place from which to start. And now you have the growth mindset yeah. and you're not comparing the value of yourself with someone else. You're comparing a benchmark for progress and it's just a lot more constructive. Definitely is. And it's a lot more, it's a lot more personal then. And yeah. you're, you're much more focused on, you know, your own progress and not so much, not so worried anymore about, but how do I stack up? And I think mm -hmm. that social media has, you know, we could lambast this all day and, and, you know, not be the first people to do it. That, I mean, it's kind of put us <laughs> at a disadvantage of we're comparing ourselves to an idealized vision of what other people have decided to put out there. And, you know, I mean, you look at like someone's like Instagram feed or something and some, some of these people look like their life looks just perfect. Oh like, yeah. You know? Um, but they spend a lot of time making those pictures look pretty darn awesome. Yeah. How, how, what's what's the scene look like that's not in behind, like in the camera? Like, what's the behind the camera scene look like? <laughs> and, and it's, it, I don't know. You know, you, you have no way of knowing. So, and and so you kind of like. I mean, when it comes to comparison, again, it's like, does it matter, or does it, or is it more about your own progress and how? you feel about that and how quickly you you feel that you're learning. So I think that's right. Yeah. I think it's a good time to kind of summarize this. Um, Cause we, we just blew out like. I know this was such there. a rich topic. We <laughs> talked is. about becoming friends with failure and starting to do that by just even looking at the language around how we use um, failure and kind of attribute it with our own identity. And maybe a more constructive way to handle that is to look at failure as an opportunity for learning. And then you brought up the great point around how do we even judge failure and rather than comparing ourselves to others, applying more of a um, growth mindset and a progress kind of way of looking at comparing ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I love the language part of this. Um, that That feels so much like that's like stage setting, right? In any story arc, the stage setting really matters. Where are yeah. the characters? Where are you? Because even when you think about like growth mindset, it still needs a stage setting of where am I? You know, and so the the stage setting of being really careful and mindful about the language is a tremendously powerful place to start. And I don't know that there's any one um, right way to go about it, but it's probably more just that mindset. Yeah, I think so too. Well, hey, this was a great conversation. Thanks for uh, getting us pulled together on um, on, a, on our conversation today. Yeah, yeah, this was a great one. Um, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. A side order of empathy can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and at a side order of empathy dot com. Thank you for listening.